entrepreneurs and dreamers, welcome back to The Dylan England Show. I'm your host, Dylan England, and in today's first episode of the podcast, I have a very special guest whose story is very unique, who had a company fail, and he came back and has now created a very successful company his second time around. Please welcome Derek Doran, entrepreneur, landscape company owner here in Metro Detroit, Michigan. And as we jump into the podcast, we always try to jump right into the conversation. We're starting off talking about entrepreneurship culture. Hope you enjoy this listen. Please make sure you hit that follow button. And like we try to do, we're going to jump you right into the middle of the conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode. Is into like this. So disclaimer, and I didn't even tell you this before. Oh, cool. There's an aspect to entrepreneur culture that you I don't hate. Like. Basically that idea of like you make your come up story or, you know, what you overcame. You can look backwards and like... Um, talk about certain things having a purpose that they just happened or I'm, I'm not saying things don't have a purpose, but you can look back and you can paint a picture because mm-hmm. it's behind you. Right. But um, when people start out, they don't always have this clear destination in mind and you may pivot and change and now you're doing something else and that's part of life. Sure. And people will, will pretend sometimes that like that was the plan all along or um, yeah, it, that's not like a huge pet peeve of mine, but people do, you know, they like to paint their story in the best way possible. But do you feel that it's cause I, I think there's two ways to look at that as an entrepreneur, like the culture is bring yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. And uh, I went overcame these things, but I think also the reason why people, even podcasts like these or videos like these, like people resonate with if only I would have known this when I started because you're right like when we jump into certain careers we don't even necessarily know if this is what we want to do right like this is like oh I want to do it start an insurance agency I hate insurance like <laughs> like when I was when I first started I didn't know that if this was going to be a three-month thing a six-month thing I knew I needed a job sure like and so I agree with that but then looking back I'm like dang if I could have known this 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 when I started this whole this whole journey would have been so much easier. Right. So I think that's the one nice thing though about entrepreneurs reflecting on their failures as long as they can do it in like a you know honest way cuz it help it helps people like us that are trying to build businesses. Like you're trying to build a business, I'm trying to build a business and we're still like growing in that that way. We like listening to other entrepreneurs and their failures. Yeah, and, I think Yeah, go ahead. I I think um People have incredible stories. I'm not saying everybody's lying or like, you know, that's not my point. Um, maybe one cha- thing I don't like about entrepreneur culture, if you'd call it that, is that there's a big push to find like your passion, your purpose, and not bad things, like great things. The challenge is that like you don't know what that thing is often before mm. you're starting. I mean, think about in college how many people – start in one major and change majors before they graduate, right? Like if we listed off our friends, I mean, tons of them changed majors and that's not like, that's not bad. It's just the fact that you're discovering as you go along, what you like, what you don't like. Um, within that, what is hard is that everything has a side of it that you don't enjoy. So figuring out like, what are you willing to, to deal with and push through, um, 
yeah, it's, I don't know. It's uh, entrepreneur culture. I should stop using that term. The culture now that really is targeted at especially young people like us and younger, um, it plays to your emotions and your desires of like an easier, quicker, more rewarding yep. path. Yep. And that is what I don't like. I, I, I think that's a perfect start to jumping into your story because I, I think you're right. And I, and we, we touched on this on the last podcast we just talked about is there is a almost like a get rich, easy, quick, like if you're going to get rich, be an entrepreneur. And it's like, this is the path that you should take if you want all of the, oh, look at my, like, even like people that are on, like, look at my car and look at this. I know that there was this one guy that was, it was an ad on YouTube. Like he always had like a, he was in his library. Knowledge. And yeah, he's Ty like, Lopez. You know, you're Ty Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I have a Lamborghini, blah, 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 blah. But I, forget those cars. Uh, the books are what I'm proud about. I want knowledge. And it's yep. like, bull crap. Like <laughs> you, like, no, you like your car. Like, let's be real. And I think that the danger with people that they need to understand before they jump into a career where they, they own a business is I would argue after five years, there's more dark times than bright times. Yeah. I like, I couldn't agree with that more. The, 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 and actually let's, before we jump into that conversation, I want to introduce our first guest of the podcast. His name is Derek Doran. Um, Derek, I'm just going to let you have the floor for like 30 seconds to a minute. If you could tell everyone who you are, what you do now, and then like what your journey started as quick little life synopsis. And we'll come back to asking you more questions about your life, but go ahead. Welcome sure. to the channel. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, so I don't know. I've never, uh, been in this situation to give a synopsis of my life, but, um, 27, almost 28 in uh, a few weeks. I'm married to my wife, Jen. Uh, we've been married almost six years now and have a son named Patrick. He's eight months old. So that's been the newest development in my life, which has awesome. made my life way more uh, fun and awesome. So, um, but that was already 30 seconds. Sorry. No, no, no. Go, 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 go. I, um, I currently own a lawn, lawn care and landscaping company. Uh, we do some other services, but in the home services industry, and um, I've been doing this for two years, grew up doing this type of work just to pay for college and with my, my brothers and my parents um, helping us have an avenue to make money. So never worked traditional jobs growing up. It was always family stuff, paper routes, and mowing lawns, which I think is the best way because mm -hmm. you start to see... Um, the reward for your effort and your time rather than just punching the clock. And um, so that, that was kind of my background, but there's a ton of curveballs in that. Yeah. And it's not like I'm that old with all this life experience, but quick summary would be always planned on going into ministry. Okay. And um, my father's a pastor. My oldest brother is a pastor. He's my pastor. Um, was always planned to go into ministry had some big life events, and my life kind of got flipped upside down at the end of high school. And um, just kind of, I don't know if there's a good way to say it, lost myself. And um, when I was coming back around, um, hopped back on the track that I was, which was pursuing ministry. And although um, my relationship with God and 
at my church is central to my life, I started to realize, you know, I don't know that vocational ministry for a career is actually what I uh, want to pursue at this time. Mm. I've still wrestled with that. I actually think ministry is is still a possibility down the road. Um, so I was interning at a church. The uh, part of that internship was that I was pursuing ministry. So when I realized that's not the path anymore, uh, my dad and I had a conversation was like, look, you can't be employed here if you're not pursuing ministry. And um, there you go. Two weeks from now, I need to do something else. So I started a lawn care business. And it wasn't like, oh, I guess I'll do this. I actually really wanted to start a lawn care business. So I went when, into that. When did the, sorry, when did the lawn care like business, because you did it as a kid, you said, right? Yep. Yeah. So you did it as a kid. When you were a kid, we're like, man, this is fun. When I grow up, this is an option for me. Or did it kind of like come back to you when you were trying to rack your brain of things to do? Like when was the lawn care kind of like, oh, this is, I could do this. That's a good question. I, so my brothers all did it as well. Um, I was the weird one that like, I really enjoyed the work and, uh, I kind of fell in love with the equipment, like just mm. the way, um, you cut grass, which sounds nerdy, but anybody that has mowed lawns, yeah, like, I know I, they I, respect, I, like when you do a good job, you know? So I, I really, in the end of high school, like I grew to love the industry, hmm. but it was always like, maybe I'll do this bivocationally. Maybe I'll do it on the side just like to make extra income. Hmm. I wasn't always thinking like business ownership. Um, so yeah, but I had always had an interest in that line of work and I knew there were ways to grow it and um, scale it as opposed to like just a traditional job. So let's jump into that. So this is this is cool. When I was a kid, this was my first job actually. I didn't tell you that. Like every kid, I think if, you, if, if you're a parent out there, yeah, get your son out mowing lawns. It's uh does a couple things. Number one, it did for me is it got me out of my shell. I'm, I'm a talker. So so Derek's known me for a little bit, but like I talk a lot, but I only talk to people that I know. So like mm. when I was growing up, when I was a kid, like it was so bad when I was a kid, I, my parents would order for me at restaurants. Like I was one of those kids that sure. I just did not like to talk because like I don't know who you are. If I knew you, I'd talk. What my dad said was I wanted something. I don't remember what it, I was like. I wanted something, you know, whatever. We didn't get allowance growing up. And my dad was like, hey, well, you have to earn money. Here's a couple ways you could do it. And I picked long, long, you know, whatever he right. went, printed a bunch of flyers and I knocked on all these doors all over across our neighborhood and I'm scared to death, but it like, it broke out this like salesman in me of like, this is fun. And when I got, I think we passed out like a hundred flyers before we got the first call back. Yeah. My dad had this small Dodge neon. Okay. It's like a tiny car. We shoved a push mower in the trunk, broke everything down, drove out there. This guy, you know, I don't know. I mowed it for like 15 bucks. You know, it was like just, I don't remember, maybe 10 bucks actually. Right. Just because I was a kid. I mean, I thought I was rich at that point. And so um, that was one of my first jobs too. And so like it taught me so much of like hard work equals getting paid, like you're earning your wages. Right. And so I think that was a cool thing. When did you say, okay, I enjoy the work. I want to turn this into a business. Yeah. Um, so it was in that period of like, Obviously, it's not just usually I'm not going to pursue ministry. There's something else that you're kind of drawn to. Mm -hmm. You could see yourself doing otherwise. And um, 
you know, that that's what really drew me or was, okay, if I'm not doing ministry, this is something that I'm passionate about. And um, I knew that to make it successful, you'd have to, um, it's great when you like what you do, but if you are too romantic about something, yeah. uh, you can you can really get caught up in the equipment and all the stuff and you you need to look at it kind of just from a number standpoint like yeah. if i'm going to pay the bills some things have to fall in line and there needs to be margin here it has to be able to scale and um so yeah that's when i mean i was married when i left that ministry job oh, so yeah. it wasn't like this is some little thing i was married and, uh, you know, I how had long, a house. How long were you and Jen married uh, for before you took this leap? Uh, we got married in 2017, and that was 2018 in the spring. So a year and a few months. Man. So so married with a house, with a job. Yep. Job ended up not working out yeah. due, to, due to just where you thought your life was heading. And then... Then said, zero income. You said, I... What... If you don't mind, I want to like a little in, inside look to the marriage because this is important. If you, the very first podcast I released was talking about moral support, having support. Oh, it's in, extremely inside important. of yeah, like yeah. if you're married or if you have family or friends, like if you're renting with somebody, like having that support because it takes time. That was the number one thing that I talked about. If you're going to start a business, it takes time to make money. Right. And so when you said, Jen, this is this is something I want to do, like how. What was that like working through that with her? Because sometimes I feel like, you know, it's different on their personality too. On their, like, what we always have to know as business owners is like, our spouses also have a risk tolerance. Oh, yeah. And it might not be the same as our risk tolerance. And so if you wouldn't mind, I'm curious on how those conversations kind of started shaping up. Sure. So um, first and foremost, all right, if you're married, um, if you have kids, like, at my core, who is Derek Doran? Business owner has to fall down on the list like lower. Yeah. Right. I can fail in business and go get another job, but I am married now. Mm-hmm. I'm a father. That's got to be first. So, even if I have these grand desires of being an entrepreneur, um, I just got to be on the same page with Jen. And thankfully, she supported me and was cool with it. And um, I'm a very obsessive person. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are that go into I think you have to be these type of endeavors, really but yeah. um, I'm annoyingly obsessive. <laughs> and she wouldn't say that because she's too nice. But like, I've just always had things I I get obsessed with, like mm-hmm. just nonstop. It could be a hobby even. Mm-hmm. So she knows that like when I get my mind caught on something. Um, it's not like a issue of like, will I give it my full attention? It's more maybe like, is this really something to stick with and figuring that out? And she knew by that point, like, you know, she was all on board. Honestly, financially, I've never, because that's that's the part of it too, right? Yeah. You're leaving stability yep. in, a, in a paycheck you can count on, benefits. Um, there wasn't really a lot of fear there. One, because we did have a safety net from saving up. But two, it was just like, I'll do whatever it takes. So, you know, 
you, you don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to say like, tomorrow I'm going to go and make a profit and have this cockiness to you. But if you have a confidence in your work ethic yep. where it's like, I'll do whatever I have to do. Yep. I'm not even asking Jen to do whatever she has to do. Yep. She would, and she did work. But, I mean, it just, yeah, she was all on board, and I think that's extremely important. So I, I, I say the phrase humble confidence. You need to have a humble confidence. Humble in the sense of you don't know anything yet, and you know you don't know anything yet. We're learning. Right. But the confidence that, hey, we, I know I, I, I can make this work. Like, and even if I don't make it work, I have the humility to admit it, like when it maybe isn't going as well as we thought. So maybe I'd love to take it there next. Okay. So in your journey, you're, 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 you're starting to get clients potentially, you know, through the church and your relationships and you, you have those in place. When was the first, like, was there a honeymoon period of with your business of man, like, why didn't I do this sooner? And if it was going well and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, or was it a slow start that ramped up slowly? Yeah, so, um, and I'm, we can get into this, but I had my business originally. That's not actually the business I have now. So right. that, that yes, was correct, correct. Four Seasons Yard Care or whatever. Yes. Um, so that, that first season was, um, was largely positive. I mean, I always kind of look back with you know, a positive nostalgia. Um, but it was largely positive, just learning. Um, I basically did everything wrong. Mm. (laughs) Like, so I jumped into things. Um, YouTube heavily influenced my decisions. I would follow, believe it or not, it may sound weird to other people, but like there's a whole lawn care YouTuber community. Yeah. And there's a guy actually in Southeast Michigan He's one of the biggest guys, mm-hmm. and he wasn't big then, so that was kind of cool connecting with him, but um, not the best decisions for actually how to run a profitable business you want to scale. They okay. were better for, like, if you want to have your own business, that's Derek's Lawn Care, and you're still in the field mowing. Um, but I just I knew at the end of the year one, this can work. There's something here. I got to make these changes. And, um, so can we talk about, I'd love to get granular because go, yeah, whatever you want. The goal, I mean, the people that are listening, I mean, like I was looking at our analytics for this podcast, over 50% are in the ages from 18 to 24. Sure. So there, whoever's watching this, if there's an 18 year old, that's how old I was when you started this. Right. And, And so like, I would love to know, like if I'm an 18 year old wanting to, to mow yards for college money. Okay, or whatever, but I want to maybe build it in a way that I can continue to do this after college. Um, what is what were some of those mistakes that you you wish that now you know this is something I should have thought through differently? Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is like you don't know how far you can go with it. Mm. You have to have some sort of an idea where you're going, though. Um, you know, if if you're wanting to grow this company with multiple crews on the road and you're not the main revenue producer, you got to go a different route than if you're, you're just wanting to start. You are the person when you're working, money is being made, um, which that's typically how all of them start Mm. is the owners actually producing revenue. But, um, there's, there's different routes you can go, but, um, 
it's hard. To, I, I would say I would back up. There are so many resources. Whatever you pursue these days, it seems like there's someone out there that has enough social credit, whatever you want to say, that like, okay, they're not a scam artist. They know what they're doing. They're, they're proven in their industry, and you can learn from them for free. Learn everything you can for free first mm-hmm. because there's tons of courses out there. Um, I wouldn't even suggest someone get a course these days because yeah. there's so many free things on YouTube or whatever, books, podcasts. Um, I would push them to somebody that just has put in tons of content that they can watch for free. And uh, start there because you don't even know what questions to ask. As you learn, you'll start asking new questions, problem solving. But I guess I would start there. The things I learned, um, I mean, it's hard to like put my mind back in that stage. But I mean, for one, I was not charging enough money. Mm. And it's really hard when you're starting out to have the knowledge or even like the confidence to charge what you need. Because typically, what are most of our jobs when we're growing up? They're dollar per hour. Mm-hmm. Even even big boy jobs, right, yes. are salary. But you can break them down to like a dollar per hour. Right. If you're thinking of term in terms of like back then, I was making $10 an hour working mm-hmm. at the museum. Right. Um, that was probably my first legit hourly job, which back then was good money for like a yeah. teenager. Yeah. Um, if you're thinking in terms of $10 an hour, make it 15 these days or whatever, um, you may think, I just need to make that much per hour. And you start thinking of that for what you're going to charge for your time. Mm. You'll quickly find out that you'll be losing money just because you've got a business now. You've got insurance. You've got overhead. All those things, right? So pricing is a huge thing. And most people in my industry, when they start out, super low pricing and almost impossible to grow your business unless you get over that. So when you look at a, this is really interesting to me because I don't know. Yeah, this I, is probably really different from in, this, insurance. This, yeah, but. like I mean, I've, this is why I'm like, I, just, I have no idea how you price a lawn. Right. Like, that's actually intriguing to me because I would think it's like, okay, well, so like we have a double lot where we live. And I remember talking to you and like, hey, can you move? So you're like, well, my crew, and we were talking about like if it's a good or bad or like what we could do, right? But I always wonder, is it like, okay, you look at the square footage and we we can cut this amount in X amount of time. And like, is it a time thing? Is it a job, like a job right. thing? At what point is it not dollar per hour? And if it's not dollar per hour, how how do you price um, in, in the lawn care business? Um, so just strictly speaking for what I do, because... I think there's, different, there's a lot of principles yeah, yeah, yeah. that carry over, but sure, it all comes down to time for me because um, I'm paying my employees for their time, and the labor is the biggest variable expense in my business. Cost, yeah. And um, what I actually do, and um, so Augusta Lawn Care is what I'm with. It's actually a, a franchise mm-hmm. brand, and I, I chose to do that. Uh, differently from just like Derek's lawn care for mm-hmm. a few reasons, but there's a ton of benefits just with the network of like the community of owners there. Um, I still own the business. I have that freedom, but I basically give up the right to have my name on the, on the company. Sure, right. Sure. And I was willing to give that up because 
could also sell it easier. Yeah. So that's another discussion, but... Um, I do want to come back to this, by the way. So we have to come back to this. Okay. This, is, this is actually super interesting to me. But yes. So I actually pay guys a percentage of what they produce. Mm. I try to break them of the mindset of like dollar per hour. Interesting. Because um, why should the guy that is busting his tail and outproducing the other guys yeah. be paid the same amount of money or maybe like a dollar or two dollars more per hour because that's what a lot yeah. of traditional yeah. lawn companies you got like a foreman they make a, a two dollars more per hour correct. right and you got this slacker who yeah. makes whatever the base pay is so ours is base pay your hourly well, yeah, rate correct. you cannot make less than that mm -hmm. but now there is no ceiling and you can make as much as you produce in a day and there's quality control because if you're going fast and making mistakes, you got to go back and fix it. And that's going to eat up your time and, and your, your, your profitability. But for a, a service industry especially, when labor is such a huge aspect of your business, um, it, it really incentivizes good behavior and aligns the business's success with the employee's success. Um, but your question was how do you price? Ultimately, what I do now is square footage. Yep. But the square footage numbers are based on what's the average time mm. to mow that lawn. And if you had a business and I had a business, those numbers aren't the same. Because I use walk-behind mowers. That guy's, most people do not want to do that. Mm. They want to sit on a zero turn. I don't do that for various reasons, but ultimately because I think it's more if, um I can send one guy out with a truck and he can crank out these small lawns with a push mower. And um, you got these other companies, and I, I don't want to disrespect anybody else. Trash they they, they no, figure it too. <laughs> yeah. But they, they've got a culture where, like, the one guy, he just wants to sit on the zero turn all day. You know, um, they, there's no right or wrong. You can do zero turns. I, that would be great. But, um, we use push mowers. So we, we charge for what makes sense for us with a push mower. Somebody on a zero turn can do it faster probably, and uh, they charge less. It's, you know. But I'll, I'll add to this really quick. The, to me, there's a difference, though, if someone that does push mower or someone does zero turn on a small lawn. Yeah. Like you can, like a visual, the visual lines of a push mower on a small, like, city lawn versus a zero turn. Because I've had my lawn zero turn before. And I have like, no, I'm like, oh, it looks like flat. Like I don't see the lines. Like, sure. I really enjoy the like, you know, diagonal lines or like the different lines a push mow can do. Does that, um, does that have any part of like so your thought process? Another aspect, because like some people would be like zero turn looks better. You know, ultimately mm. the market decides a lot of things. That's the true. market decides pricing to mm. a degree. Like, um, what's that? that phrase is a markup is what the market can bear, right? If I bought this mug for 10 cents and sold it to you for a dollar, you're willing to pay a dollar. Sure. If I said $10, well, how many people could I get to buy that mug for $10? There's a, there's a, there's real economic factors where like, you can't just charge whatever people have to be willing to pay it because of competition that could go somewhere else. But, um, where was I going with that idea? Well, honestly, you just let us in a perfect break for our sponsor. So we're going to do that right now. Sweet. 
This video is sponsored by England Insurance Group. If you're just tired of getting sold to by agents that are trying to upset you to make more commission, you can go to englandinsurancegroup.com. There you'll be able to get a quote without actually having to talk to an agent. Put in some general information and then a little slider will pop up that kind of will give you a good idea of how much life insurance could cost you. If you're interested in getting more information, you can just hit that button that says get my final rate and there you're gonna be able to go and get more details on how much life insurance would be, again, without having to talk to an agent. And right beneath that is a form if you're interested in talking to me, I'll reach out to you directly and help you with any life insurance needs that you have. Anyway, I hope this was helpful for you. Let's go back to the podcast. I mean, man, that that is really interesting to me how you can bring, in a way, bring commission into what you would have a standard hourly rate. And what I mean by that yeah, is it's, 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 it's like being a waiter. It's, so it's like being a waiter is really what it's like because um, I grew up, I served at Steak and Shake. That was my gig. I, you, t- you did lawns, I did Steak and Shake, right? And we had the best $3.99, meat dollar, $4 meal. The you small can, fries. Oh, it's so good. Shoestring fries. Anyway, so like I had the base pay and then my tips were my commission. And so I made 15 to $17 an hour in high school. Nice. As a waiter at Steak and Shake. That was good back it was, then. It was very good back then. It was very good. And the cool thing was like I got paid my worth, because there were other waiters that were making $10 an hour that weren't working as hard. And it would have been such a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it would be demotivating for me getting paid the same as them. So the fact that you're bringing right. that model into lawn care is, is awesome. And I, I mean, I think that you're only going to see good things happen. Is that, and is that industry wide? Is that like Derek being different or have you, where did you hear of this model in, in the landscape? And is this starting to be prevalent? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that last part because this is not my idea. Um, performance pay, first off, has been around. Um, there's a guy that I really respect has a gutter business, and he does performance pay. Um, the term that I use based on who I'm associated with, Augusta Lawn Care, um, our owner of the franchise, his name's Mike Andes, he has really coined this term, pay for performance. Okay. He has a book. Um, anybody in the service industry, I'd really recommend looking into that. You can go to MikeAndes.com or whatever. But um, that idea was formed through going back to, I said, you, you should look for people online that have tons of free content. He's the guy that I first found, literally through just looking up landscaping podcast. So pay for performance? So pay for performance is something he developed. This idea, and he has a software as well. Cool. but. That, so that's not my grand idea that I came up with, um, but it's something I implemented, and uh, anybody could do it. You know, it's not it's not unique in the sense of like paying someone based on their production. Sure. Oh, of course. But, but do you have you seen a direct? So when you let's take one step back because this is interesting to me. So you had Derek Lawn Care, okay, or, or whatever you called it. Yeah. Derek's Derek's business. His his. You started that. You you took a break. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I want to get to that. So you you, you two took, years off. Took a two year sabbatical from business ownership. I made so much money in that first yeah. season. <laughs> I just vacationed for two years. But so no, so I you made took a break. I made no money. Yeah. So the first can we talk year, about just that? To be clear. Yeah. So you you how long were you at? Did you do have four seasons before you stopped? You went and you worked with a different company for a while. You got a different job, back to your normal kind of type pay, benefits, that kind of stuff. You did that for two years, right? Yep. So, and then you went back to wanting to, to, to go back to lawn care. So can we talk about 
What made you stop? Yeah. What brought you back? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a, a unique. I hate to. And that's sound a loaded like, question. I know it's a loaded question, but it's you a know. it's an interesting story. So, okay. right, pursuing ministry, I pivoted and I started my own business, um, and I I made it through the season, which doesn't sound like much to people, but basically, like you know, you get through your first full year serving customers, building up a customer base. And um, at the end of it was like, let's go. I'm ready to improve next year. Mm-hmm. I, there were some dark moments where I'm like, and that's something I learned too, with just if you're in a seasonal industry, um, maybe even insurance or different, like there yeah, are very much so. There are rush. We call it the spring rush. Yes. There's also like a fall rush, but the spring rush is crazy. And that's in the industry known, but there's just slow and fast times. And as a human, you're going to ride those emotional waves. But I came to the end thinking, like, let's go another year. But I I also knew I need to pay the bills. I'm going to get a job in the winter, do some side work. Mm. Um, the business was not there. And being in Michigan where we're at, there's just not a steady source of revenue for the business to make sure. it through winter. of course. So I got a job offer out of the blue. Like – as out of the not blue searching, is, you're not searching. No, I Just was working boom. at a company that I interned at in college. Yep, I reached out to them and I was like, "Hey, I just, I was working two jobs. I was working at Amazon in the morning. Okay. Loved it. Uh, Three a.m. to seven a.m. Oh. Fast paced, but like I came in there and everybody, like that was back when fifteen dollars an hour in Michigan was like, that's good money." And Amazon opened up, and they're like, hey, $15 an hour for anybody. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I need to make some money. So I would go 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. Then I would go to my 9 to 5. And I would worked at this company in the business office doing pretty simple work, but they needed help. And um, as I'm at that second job, I just get a job offer from the owner mm-hmm. out of the blue to be his personal assistant. And this is a man that I really respect, extremely successful, sure. extremely successful in business, but just a godly man and um, just someone I've always looked How up to. How could you say no? So Pretty much. I really thought about it, and there's a part of you that's like, am I abandoning my dream or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And I just realized I can go back to lawn care one day. But this opportunity really appeals to me. There are things that I think I could thrive in with this. Um, Ultimately, I decided it was a good opportunity, and I went for it. Mm. Um, The short version would be, so I did that for two full years. And um, while that was happening, a lot of things in our world happened, right? COVID happened during those two years. the job didn't turn out to be what I thought it would be, and that's not because of deception by sure. the business or anything. It's just COVID disrupted the world. Yeah. Um, as well, I just, you know, just things changed. I realized it was not for me. There was definitely a path there that was very, uh, would have been very lucrative. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can say that. Yeah. And, um, but I just, I realized I'm young enough I, I really want to give this business ownership thing a shot. 
And I, I went back to it and I went again back to zero dollars income and I took a huge risk. Okay. So this is, this is the <laughs> cool part. This is actually when I texted Derek, cause this story is so cool because you went from college into n- not really sure what you're going to do. You, you have four seasons going, then you quit your other stuff, four seasons only. So yep. you jump into the, the, the business owner, you know, buzzword entrepreneur, Sure. Right, life, valleys, hills, celebrations—that whole the cycle of, of just what it's like to to not have income some weeks or months, and then have big income months. And you 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 learn what that's like. Then all of a sudden, you stop that with the job offer came out of the blue. You're yep. like, okay, we're gonna stop this, but you had it in the back burner, and then two years later, you're back. And to and, clarify, like when I took that job. I had no intention of going back to lawn care. Mm. I really thought, like, I got to give this my best shot. And I was, like, thinking I could be at this company the rest of my life. So I wasn't going into it thinking, like, I'm half in. It, sure. I was all in on it. And, um, you know, just it's hard to go into details of everything. Oh, but of course. I, but I, I think decided de- to change. But, but the but. details are, but like, or, like, the, the whole story is really cool in the sense of, when you you took that job that you're like, hey, I I tried this, it didn't work out. I think the average person would feel defeated, and and you may have struggled with that to a degree for a while, you know. Right. Like, like, yeah, I felt. I mean, know, it, oh it, man, why couldn't I made this business work out? But I think a lot of people would have never wanted to touch it again. They're like, yep. I tried that, I got burned, and I'm done. And I was reading an interesting article. I'll see if I can share it uh, on Facebook. But basically, it was like the average business owner fails like three times before they have their successful one. Hmm. And so, um, and the same is true with sales. When we talk about sales on the channel, like when you try to make a sale, you're probably going to get told no like 20 times before you get your yes. And so in the same way, when it comes to businesses, I think a lot of young people jump into, they see these videos of these successful entrepreneurs. And this is why this is so important. You f- it did, I don't know what to say the F word and failed, but it didn't oh, go. Oh, I failed. Okay, fine. You failed. I, I was a statistic. I, mean, I was a like, statistic. That first year in business would fall into the stat of like the av- however many correct. businesses close a year. It closed. It also profited zero dollars. I mean, if that's not a failure. <laughs> okay, so you you failed your first job or your first business that you started. Right. And I think that the the where I wanted to take this was like instead of digging a hole and saying, screw it, I'm working a nine to five again for the rest of my life. I'm done, I'm not gonna take any more chances. What you did is you said, okay, well, on the bright side, I know what not to do. Oh yeah. Right? And I'm like, on the bright side, I know what I need to do if I'm gonna do this again. And I think that is the lesson that I take from your story, is like, through your first business not going exactly how you wanted it to, you had two roads, road A, give up, of the dream of business ownership and jump into a nine to five, which guys, are there nothing wrong to nine to five at all. Right. Like that's what helps this whole country function. Like business, like we need employees to work. That's, that's the whole point. But the fact that you were willing to take and learn from history and learn from your mistakes and learn from your successes. And then now I want to kind of end here is like with Augusta. Okay. You had a choice franchise or back to like your own personal thing. Sure. What made you say, okay, I've learned a lot with my first business not working out. 
I think that one of the things I may have been missing was a franchise system. Like, did that, was it branding? Was it additional support with owners? What maybe was it that made you go Augusta versus your own thing again? Yeah, um, two things. One, on the, the nine to five thing too. I was talking about how I don't like some things in entrepreneur culture. Sure. One thing I don't like strongly is that there's a lot of shade thrown at just working a steady job. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge, like, missing the mark because, um, yeah, there's all ethical work is good, honorable work. And I think you can honor God. Um, I keep saying God, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm religious. I'm, I'm a, a Christian. And um, when I think about life and think in those terms, and there's honorable work in so many ways. So it's not like you're better if you're an entrepreneur. That's a sidebar. By the way, we need to have a discussion on that because that is a that's something that needs to be talked about. Yeah, yeah. And and we'll sidebar. We might have Derek back on to talk about that, not so much his company. Um, but Augusta. Augusta. Yes. So very important. Strip away your ego. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? The best advantage I had was I had tried to do the thing that I wanted to do again. And I knew what things I wasn't good at. I, I just looked at it. Um, there was a heightened sense of like, you need to deliver. This is not like, mm-hmm. maybe this works. This time, you got to make it work. And by work, it's not just break even. Like, you no, got to make a profit. I got to like, support my family. Yes. Um, and I want to start a family. Yes. I'm married. I want to have kids. So I'm leaving a steady job where I, side detail, was making more money than I had ever made before. And I'm walking away from that. So I just knew my chance of success was higher going Mm. with the franchise. And as well, um, I felt like some of my strengths and my weaknesses, I would benefit from going with them. And I was, in a sense, like, if you pull away your ego, ego is a lot of times the reason someone wouldn't consider that because they want their own company. Right. I'm not saying that's the only reason, right? Some people don't need it. Yeah. I just saw it. Um, there's systems, processes, things that I can benefit from. I think I can get to where I want to be faster mm. with them, faster and more likely, because it's not all about speed. But um, so, yeah, those reasons. And in a sense, I was using it, viewing it as this is my bachelor's in business. If I start with Augusta, why couldn't I start my own business some other time? Yeah. Because it is my business. Like, yeah, you I pay own, taxes yeah, just if to I cl- fail. And just to clarify, guys, when you own a franchise, you are the owner of that tax ID number. Right. Like, you are the owner of that franchise. You can sell that franchise. You Like, if the franchise fails, it's on you. Yeah. Like, like the only difference is with a franchise is you have a little bit of branding backing. Yeah. You have a little bit of, of community with other owners and I don't know if you have discounts on any type of, of equipment or supplies and things like that that n- that would normally fall under the umbrella of a franchise. Right. Um, I don't know if you do. If you know. So one cool thing, sure. um, and I, I'm long-winded, so Dude, I'm this is awesome. probably going longer than you thought. But, Not at all. Um, so this franchise is super young. Okay. I mean, I was franchisee number 21. So, I mean, if you think of any franchise you can name, there's probably thousands of them. So I, I see this as a cool thing, too, because, like, I truly think this franchise is going to change the industry. 
mm-hmm. that's actually the owner's goal is like change the level of professionalism in the landscaping industry. Mm. And it may sound weird to people, but like we know there's a stereotype with people that mow lawns and it's often not given a lot of respect, like as a line of work. Right. Um, but that's a cool aspect is it's young. But the one of the biggest things is I don't pay them because obviously in a franchise, mm-hmm. it's not like I just get all the benefit with no cost. Yep. I pay the franchise or, but um, I don't pay them a percentage of my sales. And that was the biggest thing. That's a lot of franchises. You pay every dollar that comes in, a percent goes, goes in. For is them, it a flat fee? It's fixed. Interesting. So what I need to do is grow my business so that fee becomes a smaller percentage. Exactly. And, um, and actually, that's interesting. So really quick, because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. That's the same in real estate, by the way. Okay. Um, a lot of real estate brokerages will take a percentage of your total sales. They'll give you a split. Sure. Then some others will give you a split with a cap. Hmm. So they'll say, hey, we're going to, it'll be a, a 70-30 or 60-40 split. Fun fact about agents, you think that, that 3% is going to the agent. Actually, the agent's only getting about 1.8%, hmm. maybe 2% of that 3%. I didn't know that. It depends on their deal with the brokerage. Got it. Sometimes it's a 50-50 when you start. Agent gets 50, brokerage gets 50. Yeah. And then, but the brokerage, some brokerages have no caps. Like, you could sell $30 million in real estate and then the bro. but a lot of brokerages that are doing it well, in my opinion, they'll have a cap. So they'll say, hey, yeah, yeah. we'll take a percentage, but up to this this fixed amount, then anything above that. And so what that does is it forces real estate agents to be like, hey, I want to get to this point where I hit that cap, so then everything's coming. I get 100%. Gotcha. And it motivates agents to sell more in a way. Yeah. And so that's that's a cool thing. I think Augusta's winning. I can already see them winning just because of that. Like that's Now, at the same time, though, it has to hurt more when you're small. Yep. Because if you have a yep. fixed, like if they have to make money, right? The yep. franchisor has to make money. They need to be profitable. So this only works if you grow it into something big enough to make that fixed cost small. Yeah. And I mean, really, if you, I signed on to something that um, it's like either quit, sell, or grow it. There's no like, just kind of do it. Yeah. If I kind of do it, it, I'll lose money. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I love Augusta. Um, I don't think franchising's for everybody, and franchising is a big term. You need to figure out what the actual um, terms are and everything. But yeah, I back to your question. I recognized weaknesses of mine that I felt the franchise would help me with. Mm. And, uh, I mean, one of the things is they answer the phone for me. Like, if there's not a better way to grow your lawn care business so that you can keep working, keep selling, mm. um, and somebody's just answering the phone. Now, I pay them on a per-minute basis, but that was something I was like, okay, let's do this. That makes sense. Um, but yeah. looking at that for my agency. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think... This is where I, this is like so cool. I mean, guys, I could talk to this for, I mean, three hours. We could make, we need to make a Joe Rogan like three hour podcast on this stuff because this is, it, w- it would be interesting to like talk about. We talked a lot about like me deciding to do this. Yeah. But a whole nother topic would be like what I've learned in doing this. Yes. Um, cause I would say now I'm at the end of year two with Augusta. Mm-hmm. So really, I have three years of experience of being self employed, mm-hmm. trying to start a business. 
Um, I would say like up until a couple months ago, like maybe a year and a half in was when I was like feeling like I was catching my stride. Okay. And there was a lot of doubt. There's always been doubt because it's like yep. in sales or business, um, there's a hard reality of like you have to keep putting in work. Like at a job, you can you can kind of coast at a job. Like you can you can coast a little and still get that paycheck, or you can hide or slack off. Um, you got to do the bare minimum. You got to do the minimum not to get fired. Yeah. If you get the minimum not to get fired, you're gonna keep your job. You're gonna. But there's know. a aspect yes, of business ownership or sales commission work, whatever. You gotta like, it's all on you. Yes. And um, yeah, you. You got to be willing to put up with that. So, um, yeah. So on our next podcast, when you come back, we're talking about franchises because I want to talk about franchises because I think that is a career path a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. I think they're like, I want to start my own thing with my own. And I joke because I have my own branding. But like, I'm also, I started with a franchise situation within insurance that's actually how i started too gotcha i had their branding i had materials i had training i had software i had all that kind of stuff when we started and so like i actually started my career in a way with a franchise with a carrier and so like right. i think that's something we could talk about i want to talk about what you learned on our next on our next podcast and then i want to end here so i just made a video and i want to say see if you agree or disagree with me all right okay i said that that if you're going to get into entrepreneurship or business owner or sales or however you want to spin that there are sure. four things that need to be true okay so video I just posted i'm gonna see who, who agrees with me and if you disagree then we have to do another podcast arguing about it <laughs> so it's gonna be good number one i said you have to have a blanket fund and i say you need to have like a emergency fund uh oh 100 yeah time buy you time right yeah so number one it's gonna take you time so you need to have some sort of funds in place to make sure you have you can survive a couple months yeah okay number two you need support like I said, family support, friend, like whoever is in your circle, you need support. So if you're married, you need your wife to be on board. Yeah. Because there's no, kind of what you said in your priority structure, there's no world where I'm going to do something where Anna is saying no to it. Because the moment it fails, it's going to be even a harder conversation. So like in my journey, and we talked about this, you know, on the, on the podcast, on the previous podcast, it's like we hit some low lows and because she was bought in from the start, it didn't even rustle a feather in our marriage. Yeah, that's awesome. But had she been, maybe I don't think this is a good idea, and I did it anyway, and then we hit those lows, I'm quitting the first low that we hit. Mm -hmm. And so I think so that's number two. Um, number three is you need to have some sort of passion for it. And I know we can kind of agree or disagree, but I do no, I, I do think that passion, and, and passion could be maybe an overt, but like you need to be interested in it. You need to be excited about it. It can't just be all about the money because if you make it all about the money, you're just gonna, when you don't make money for six months, sure. you're gonna quit. Yeah. And so so that's number three. And then um, number four, I don't remember what it is right now. I can't remember. I, like, I was on a track. Passion, number four. I don't remember. I'd say, I'd passion, say on your third one. Um, I mean, the passion could be like, so take what I do. Uh, we mow lawns. That's a huge part of what we do, the recurring work. We do other landscaping work. I was just telling you, like, at this time of year, we install Christmas lights. Uh, we do snow removal. But um, you could have a passion for customer service. You mm -hmm. could have a passion for employing people. You could have a passion for mowing lawns. 
I mean, there's going to be aspects to what you do that you're not going to love everything. Um, I really like the idea of trying to help other guys like my parents did for me, learning how to work, mm-hmm. learning how to be financially frugal and wise. Um, it, there's things within it that you can really latch on to that I think would be important. Like yeah. maybe the work itself isn't your passion, but things connected to it or a product of it. Or the result, right. Um, yeah, and the fourth thing, this is going to lead you off in a, in, into a perfect ending. The fourth thing is it has to be a good product. Because people, I think we forget about that part. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I have a passion for this. Like let's say it is lawn care. And let's say you want to pick a franchise. It is instrumental to your success. You pick a good franchise. And then it's instrumental that you deliver a good product to your clients. Because if you don't deliver a good client then you're, or a good, a good product, you're not going to get referrals. They're not going to renew your contract. Right. Like, there are so many things that I think they all, all of four of those things play into each other. Cause yeah. generally if you're passionate about something, then it is going to be a good product, but those are the four things. And then do you have anything else that you'd add to that list? Any things that you, you would want to second on, or and I the, mean, we can in the podcast here, go ahead. The list was based on what you need if you're going to be in Just sales, in or, sales entrepreneur. or an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I would maybe add, and I think I agree with those things. I think self-awareness, don't try to be, there's so many impressive people, right? On social media, whatever, some of them are fake. We think they're impressive, but um, be very self-aware. I have three older brothers. You know, we all have unique differences. We're all very similar in ways too. But if I'm going to try to be one of my brothers, it's, it's just... You need to be self-aware. What are your strengths, your weaknesses? Be humble. Um, there's a lot of fake it till you make it, till you make it stuff, but um, it does more harm, in my opinion, to like pretend to be something. Mm. And I'm also not saying like be true to yourself. <laughs> yeah, Disney over I'm here. I'm just saying be self-aware. Yes. If you're not good at something, admit it. How do I get better? Yes. How do I delegate it? Whatever. But like, you know. Just be self-aware. I guess yeah. that's what I would add to the list. So five things, and I think I, I think that's right. Five things, be self-aware. We'll end the podcast here. Um, thank you, Derek. Thanks this for, was awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks for the time. And I'll, I'll add this, guys, the quick recap. The reason why I think if you're sitting there at home, you're watching this video, and if you made it through the hour podcast, <laughs> if you made it through and you're still here at this time, I think the lessons here are a couple things, but number one, if you failed in a in a business, that doesn't mean that you should just give up, roll over, and 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 just like not try again. I think the average business person they fail multiple times. We failed, like we both have multiple times to get to where we're going to and where we're at right now. So so don't give up if you're doing that. The second story is that it is really important to to surround yourself with good, loving people. That when you're going through your downs, when you're going through those valleys, that you're, you you have someone to lean on to kind of help get you through those. Yeah. And there generally is light at the end of the tunnel. So if you are sitting there and you are in one of these valleys in your job, in your, in your company, I have always believed that you can outwork your valley. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is there's, there's the fight or the flight mentality. Some people, when the valleys come, they, they, they run. They're like, all right, hard times. Instead of doing that, if you face it head on 
I'm not guaranteeing that it's going to work out, but your percentage of it working out is a whole lot higher than you just running and, and hiding from those challenges. And I think Derek is a, as an example of what it means to, to have a whole just crazy story of starting a business, coming back to it. I mean, it's, a, it's just a great story, man. I appreciate you having on this podcast. Last words. Last word, which I'll try to keep it very quick. I think for our generation specifically, like people our age, maybe older than us, younger than us, um, there's so much shiny object syndrome, like grass is greener on the other side, mm. other things, right? People used to stick at jobs longer than us. I don't think one's better than the other, but if you're going to pursue something like this, you're going to have to be willing to stick with it for some time. Mm. I haven't even done it long enough to say that, but what I'm trying to come to grips with is just not quitting. Mm. Maybe I exit at some point and sell it or whatever, but not actually giving up because it's like this is too hard, um, sticking with it. Um, I just think in anything we we pursue, that that's something that we need more emphasis on. Just doing the boring work and sticking with something that we're committed to, not riding the waves of emotion. So, I love it. Well, that's the perfect way to end us off. Thank you, Derek, for coming. If you're still watching, please subscribe to the channel, share this video out on social media. I think a lot of people could could benefit from hearing this story. I know I've learned a lot today. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys.